This episode of Manage Smarter is presented by Sales Fuel Coach, our adaptive sales coaching featuring five-minute quick coaching personalized to each sales rep. Learn more about Sales Fuel Coach at salesfuel.com. Welcome to the Manage Smarter Podcast with hosts C. Lee Smith and Audrey Strong. We're glad you're here for discussions on new ways to manage smarter, hire, develop, and retain talent, improve results, and propel team performance to new heights. This is the Manage Smarter Podcast. Hello, everyone, and thanks for listening to Manage Smarter. I'm Audrey Strong. I'm Director of Communications at Sales Fuel. And I'm C. Lee Smith, the President and CEO of Sales Fuel. And today's guest just had a run of, is this right, Mark? Five speeches in five days in five cities. That is correct. <laughs> That's insane. And so we are, I want to thank you. We are extremely lucky to have a small portion of this guest time. It's Mark Eaton. He's a successful, successful award-winning motivational speaker, entrepreneur, NBA all-star for the Utah Jazz for 12 seasons, a restaurateur, and author of the best-selling book, The Four Commitments of a Winning Team. And he's also a CSP, that's a certified speaking professional, and you have been traveling like a maniac giving speeches all over the place, right, Mark? I have. I've crisscrossed the country a few times the last <laughs> few weeks. <laughs> so, you know, let, let's yeah, go ahead. to have you. Let's go ahead and dissect that the, the the title of the book, you know, and start with the word team. I think anybody just thinks that you can you you can throw like a collection of any people or things together or whatever, and all of a sudden, presto, you have a team just because you have a collection of people or things. Where what is your definition of team? Well, I, I agree with you. I think it's an overused term in uh, the business world today, and I think uh, a lot of people say we're a team, we're a team, without really understanding what it is and. Uh, from my perspective, uh, a team is more than a collection of group uh, or, or a group of individuals. It's really about the commitment that you have to the people around you. That it's not about following a goal or hitting a number. It's really about the commitment to making sure that each member of your team feels included and has a um, you know a, 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 it becomes an integral part of that of that sales team or of that unit uh, and feels like they're valued as well. So groups and teams are definitely different. Yeah, they definitely are. And, and in the world of basketball, uh, you, you can't survive without your teammates. They have to be there for, they have to have to be there for you. You have to be there for them. And then everyone needs to feel like they're an integral part because otherwise you've just got one guy trying to make all the shots and do all the things and everybody else just kind of starts standing around. And that ultimately, ultimately results in, in a, a losing season. And when I, I th- I'm going to use a basketball analogy too. It seems fitting because I remember Michael Jordan when he first came into the league or whatever. He was drilling, having 50 point games on a regular basis and everything like that, and the Bulls still lost. And sure. it wasn't until he started, you know, then he had Scottie Pippen and then he had Horace Grant and he had, uh, he started using his cast a little bit more and making the rest of his teammates better. And, and actually they became more of a team. Then they started to win. Right. And that was uh, the beauty of, of uh, Phil Jackson being able to sit down with Michael Jordan and then uh, later on Kobe Bryant and explaining to them, like, we don't need you to score 50 points. I need you to score 30 points. I need you to get six or eight assists every night helping your teammates score. Yeah. So, so the, the four commitments, um, I'm going to have you rattle them off, but they seem like very simple concepts that everybody should be able to execute every day. But that is not the case. You're laughing already. I can see. Guys, he's laughing. We only do audio, but Mark's smiling. Um, so what are they and why are they so hard? On a day-to-day? Well, I, I think they're simple principles and sometimes people just forget how fundamental they are. Um, the, the four commitments are, are knowing your job, doing that one thing you're excellent at, doing what you've been asked to do, which really is about execution, making other people look good and protecting your teammates. 
and uh, and they're again they're very simple, but um, it, it starts with you with understanding what your strengths are, what you bring to the party. It's not about working on your weaknesses; it's about leveraging your strengths and doing more of them. Um, and and the execution is about doing what you've been asked to do. It's like, do you really know what other people want from you, your boss, your customers? Do you are you willing to ask and then really commit to doing precisely what they've asked you to do? Uh, and then making the people around you look good, focusing on uh, the well-being of those that are that are close to you, that help you do your job, uh, and your customers, making them look good, uh, because ultimately that's what everybody wants is to be taken to that next level. Mm-hmm. And then finally, just protecting each other, really being there for them, honestly caring about people as opposed to just looking at them as a, a number or a sale. Right. Is there any one of the four that is more commonly overlooked and not executed, or are we all equal offenders on all of the four? Oh, I, I think there's a, there's a lot to go around, but I, I, one thing I find, a lot of people don't know what their job is, and they're afraid to ask. Mm. Uh, they come to work, and they, and they just start doing things and uh, hoping that the boss notices them without really ever taking the time to step back and say, Number one, what am I good at? Uh, good at, and secondly, is this something my boss appreciates, or should I maybe take a little time to sit down and find out what they really want, and try to marry that up with my what my with what my strengths are? Um, and then, I, and I think also, especially in sales, that uh, sometimes you get you that into that internal competition where I've got to knock out my teammate in order for me to get ahead. So silly. And I think that's uh, just. Um, you know, just it doesn't work well in the world of sales. I think that uh, you're there because you guys have a great product. Uh, you've got people that have supported you. You've got back-end people that make the sales um, cycle work. And all those people are, are as or more important as you are out selling. You know, it's for the team to actually achieve its identity and play to its identity. Each individual player has to play to their own identity. And in sales, I believe that's like, you're a closer, or we brought you here because you're great at discovery. We brought you here because you're a great negotiator, or you're great at overcoming objections, or doing all the prep work and doing all the research beforehand, or, or picking the right people to go after. Do that, play to your identity, and then if we all do that, then hopefully we've assembled the team in the right way that the team can have success. Does that sound like a, like a good application to sales? It is because I look at it as it's really honoring your role. So that's the perp- that's the reason you were brought in. That's what you're really good at. Let's focus on that and allow the other people to focus on their strengths. And if you do that, then you've got a winning team. And uh, it's so easy to jump into someone else's business or start trying to tell other people what to do, how they should be doing their job when the, the real key is how can you do your job better? I like that story you told in San Francisco about the, you got clarity on your job when you were in the MBA about you're, you're supposed to protect the basket and that's it. Can you tell that story again? I love that story. Yeah. Sure. Um, when I was at UCLA as a college player, um, I wasn't playing very much. I was sitting on the end of the bench and, and things weren't going very well. And, and during the summer between my junior and senior year, I was, I was working out at the men's gym at UCLA and, and, and a lot of great players would show up there every afternoon. There were some great pickup games there, practice games. And, and one day I'm, I'm running up down the court and I'm trying to chase this little guard named Rod Foster, whose nickname is Rocket. Um, <laughs> fastest human being I've ever seen from one end of the court to the other. And, and I just can't catch the guy. And he's getting to the basket time. I'm getting about going across half court. And I'm pretty frustrated. I'm standing on the sidelines for a minute and thinking to myself, you know, I don't know if I can, if I can play at this level because these guys are so much faster and quicker than I am. I'm 7'4", weigh 300 pounds, right? And I'm trying to catch these little guys that are weighing, you know, they're six feet tall weighing. 180 and um and on the sidelines while i'm taking a break i feel this big large hand on my shoulder one day and 
and I turn around and it's Wilt Chamberlain. And he used to come down and work out with the guys. This is after he retired from the NBA and from the NBA. But every afternoon he would still show up at the men's gym. And he pulled me aside and, you know, and he, and he looked me in the eye and said, first of all, you're never going to catch that guy. And secondly, it's not your job. And he said, why don't you come with me and let me show you what your job is. And he took me out in front of the basket. And he said, you see this basket behind you? He said, your job is to stand here and stop players from getting to the basket. Your job is to make them miss their shot and then collect the rebound and then throw it up to the guard, let them go down the other end and score it. And your job is to kind of cruise up to half court and see what's going on. And it was a real light bulb moment for me because I finally understood what I could be good at on the basketball court. I was out there trying to do all these things and he showed me the one thing I could focus on and be great at. And I took that little five minute conversation and took and turned it into a 12 year NBA career. I just focused on one aspect of the game of basketball and got better and better and better at it. So some of the things that the, so we've applied your, your lessons into sales, uh, you're in the restaurant business as well. So when it comes to putting together a great team in the restaurant business, whatever, what does that look like? Well, it's, it's not any different. You have to have a great chef who's also, uh, who is also a great kitchen manager. You have to have great servers. You've got to have a great product, great food day in and day out. You're only as good as your last meal. Um, I've been in the business for 23 years and consistency is, is what it's all about. Um, and so each player on the team has to perform their role on a nightly basis. And, and it doesn't, you know, you can have a great Saturday night. Well, you better have a, you know, be just as consistent on Sunday night when, when the chef might not be there, you've got other players that need to step in and, and play bigger roles. So we talk about that a lot, about really focusing on what and what makes us great and being able to recreate that on a daily basis because it's all about the consistency. Uh, so it's, it's, it's vitally important in that business as well. What if you get a player on your team, though, who is brilliant at times, absolutely br- head and shoulders above everybody else or wherever, and then the, the next day or whatever is in the toilet? And, and, and they're always on that roller coaster ride. You know, their highs are too high, their lows are too low, and they don't have that consistency. How do you deal with that? How do you coach well, that? Well, again, that, that goes back to the coach, uh, the owner, uh, the, the manager, to sit down with those folks and help them understand what they need from them. Uh, it's like in the NBA. If you've got a guy that scores 30, 30 points one night, and then for the next five or six games goes to sleep, that's not going to help the team win. So it's really looking at how to, to raise their game on a consistent level and coach them to help them understand that. You know, it's like a, remember that book um, uh, called Raving Fans? It was written by, um, it's a guy from, uh, that wrote, um, um, you know, the One Minute Manager. Um, Ken Blanchard. Ken Blanchard, thank you. Had a brain lock there. Uh, <laughs> talks about the, the, the process of going from hiring employees to judging them without the coaching step in between. So when I, when I hear stories like that, it, it tells me that someone has not done a good job explaining to that person what their role is, what their job is, and how vitally important uh, their consistency is to the, to the viability of the entire team, the entire organization. Now, you're saying um, in terms of execution on the four commitments that you should commit yourself and choose one per week or one per month to focus on. Tell me kind of what that looks like for our audience. Uh, in terms of the four commitments, or just about yeah. number two? Oh. Yeah, well, yeah. On when, so now I'm I'm saying, okay, I'm I'm in, I'm all in, Mark. I get it. I know what the four are. How am I going to execute on this one per month or one per week with myself and or my team? Well, I think the first thing is that to um, either pick up my book and and look mm-hmm. at from number one, knowing your job, some of the possibilities in terms of character traits and skills you probably already possess that you could leverage more. Uh, asking three people uh, what you're really good at, 
is another way to gain that information. Um, once you have that information, say, okay, how, how am I doing on a scale of one to 10 of leveraging this and how could I leverage it more? And then moving on to the execution piece of saying, okay, well, this is what I'm doing well and either talking to your boss or your customers and saying, okay, I'm doing this and this and we're working on that. Is there anything else I should be doing? Is there anything else I should be more focused on? Your willingness to go and sit with that person, that customer and ask them that question is the second step. Uh, the third step is to look around you and say, okay, am I making my customers look good? Where would I rate myself on a scale of 10? Am I making my teammates look good? Is there somebody I need to go have a cup of coffee with or acknowledge or check in with? And creating an action step for that. In my seminars, I challenge people to do that, to actually put down a date and a time of, of when am I going to go meet with Audrey and buy a cup of coffee for her or check in with her and uh, see if there's something I can do for her. And the last point is, is uh, protecting others is simply about getting away from the gossip, not throwing other people under the bus, but really understanding that, that we're all here for each other and, uh, and that my job is to support people around me. And so uh, just raising the vibration level a little bit there uh, in terms of getting out of the, the water cooler talk uh, and letting your customers know that you've got their back, uh, I think is, uh, is something that uh, anybody can do on, on, on any given day. And again, these aren't complicated things, but if you, refer back to them and make them sort of a baseline of where you work from, I think you'll see uh, instant success. What uh, character traits do you believe that any great manager or coach possess? I'm, I'm, I'm looking at character traits in uh, one of the chapters of your book there. You just mentioned them. Which ones are absolutely essential and absolutely necessary whenever you go and hire uh, a manager to run a department of your company? Well, I think the first one is integrity. Uh, I think that's got to be there above you know, above all else, and that's got to be a high number. And then from a skill standpoint, somebody who's a great coach or motivator uh, from a management standpoint, especially in sales, I think is, is vitally mm -hmm. important because sales is an up and down game, right? And, and you, know, you have a big win and all of a sudden it's like, okay, we got to start over again. That was last week. And uh, so having somebody who, who um, can look back and, and help you gain um, more consistency uh, day in and day out uh, from a teaching and instructing standpoint, as well as, a, uh, as, well as being a motivator, I think is, uh, is pretty important. Um, you know, hopefully some, they can also set strategy, but I, a lot of organizations, the strategy is set. It's really about the execution mm -hmm. and about staying on top of your game day in and day out that make the biggest difference. You have clarity listed in the book, and I think that's absolutely essential for any manager to have clarity. Yeah, and I agree with you. And, and one of the challenges in today's business environment is with, with mergers and acquisitions and stuff and divisions changing and realignments, it's sometimes challenging to understand okay, where was the goal again? Where were we going? What we were doing? And so I think the manager's job is to glean that from the higher ups and be able to take it down to the masses and say, okay, this is how we win. I think that's what everybody really wants to know in work. Mm -hmm. When they go to work is, I understand the job. I understand the complexities of it. How do I win? You know, what's, the, what's, the, what's the bottom line? And I think that's where you're going to see the greatest results as you gain, as the more and more you gain clarity in terms of what the true objective is, and how it directly directly relates to each individual employee. That's the, that's the juice. Digging down into it. Let me play devil's advocate for a minute. Say you work for an organization, you're listening to the show, and it's like, I know what my job is, but now they want me to do professional development and learn something new that's not in my wheelhouse. So knowing my job is mutating, it's changing. Um, how should somebody apply well, the commitments to that situation? <laughs> 
I think that you have to go back again and say, what is it that I'm really, really good at? Because okay. again, it's, it's, you know, trying to learn something different that's outside of your wheelhouse is going to be, is going to be a challenge. Is that really going to benefit the bottom line of the company and your bottom line? And so being able to go in there with, from a place of strength and say, look, this is what I'm really, really good at. This is what I bring to the party. This is what I'm successful at. Is there a way I can do more of that, you know, and, and still look at this professional development or whatever it is they want you to do. But at the same time, it's like, okay, this is how we make money. This is how we sell. How can we do more of that? Um, and having an honest conversation with them, because sometimes stuff just comes down the pipe and people start implementing it without real without any real thought to how it impacts people individually. And so I think it's up to the employee at that point in time to step back and say, well, well, let's just wait a minute. And can we talk about this rather than just, you know, blindly saying, okay, geez, I guess I got to do this now because it's easy for managers, especially as they cut labor costs to say, well, you know, here's three more jobs for you. And, and, and I think it's the onus is on the, on the salesperson or the staff person to step up and say, wait a minute, let's, let's chat about this. So, Mark, who was the best coach you ever had, and what made him or her special? Um, in my book, I talk about my coach Tom, that that taught me how to play basketball when I was an auto mechanic, and 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 uh, and gave me an opportunity to try it again at age twenty one after I had I did not have any success with it in high school. And the reason I tried it again was because of his commitment to me. He said, "Look, if you want to try this, um, I'll be here for you every morning, every evening." Um, I don't want anything from you. I'm just willing to teach you what I know about the game of basketball and show you some things you probably don't know. And uh, and being seven foot four, everybody assumes you should be a basketball player. Right? <laughs> they assume Audrey should be a basketball player. I know. Player. <laughs> I'm only six one, so I'm a <laughs> right. peewee. Yeah. <laughs> right. When my wife, or, or excuse me, when my uh, when my coach um, was was uh, sharing that with me. And when I was an auto mechanic, people would come in the, in the shop all the time and say, you should play basketball, you should play basketball, you should play basketball. And it was like, okay, you know, as you well know, like, all right, enough. <laughs> but yeah. this guy came from a different approach. He said, look, I know some things about the game you don't know, and I'm willing to share them with you and will be there with you every step of the way. And I think that was the most important factor to me was that he was committing himself to me as a person as well as a potential ball player. And um, and didn't want anything from me. And I think that that was made the biggest difference and, and has had the biggest impact on my life. So the follow-up question has to be, so think about the worst coach you ever had and don't name him or her, obviously, but it's like, what lesson did you learn from that person? Um, that not everybody understands what you can do. Um, I had coaches in college that I did not play for, that I sat on the end of the bench uh, and um, they just didn't get it. And years, you know, and I was very upset and mad about that at the time. And years later, I came to, to comprehend a little bit better that they just didn't understand what I brought to the party. And so that was my fault for uh, not being better prepared or being willing to have a different conversation with them. Um, and ultimately, it wasn't the long term goal, as my junior college coach would tell me, you're not going to play in the games now, you got to make the practice of your games. And you know, it's not the coach, it's not the team, it's you, you need to get better. And so I took that to heart as well and, and doubled down on my time in the gym to try and be ready when an opportunity did come along uh, later on, which it did. I've been looking at your speaking schedule. Your dance card is very full, but we want to, for 2019, how's it looking and how can people uh, contact you to book you for a speech or, um, you know, get on your roster? 
Uh, my website is sevenfoot4.com, and uh, that's the easiest way to find me. Uh, we're on Twitter, Instagram, any of the other social media platforms. I'm on all of those. Uh, and 2019 has already got a pretty good slate of speeches. Great. So things are things are going well, and we're selling lots of books. So um, you know everything's everything's good. If you book need a on Amazon. Yeah, if you need a ringer for your basketball team, then too, also re reach out to Mark. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and everybody, the, all major booksellers have the book. I saw that on your website also, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, all of them. Yes. It's everywhere. Yep. So, yep. wow, Mark. Well, thank you so much. It was such an honor and pleasure to meet you in San Francisco earlier this year, and I'm really glad that you gave us some of your time. What a treat. Thank well, you. Thank you, thank thank you, so you much. Both. I really enjoyed it. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed the show, please rate and recommend on iTunes, Overcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also get more great information at salesfuel.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.